Welcome in, everybody. It is the week six recap show of the three technique. We've got a ton to talk about here. Red River rivalry, chaotic as ever. That delivers. Alabama knocks off Texas A&M. And Georgia has the giant awakened in the SEC East. We've got a lot to talk about. Roll tape. One man. Goodbye. Welcome in. It's exciting to have you guys back on the show. Excited to uh, dive into a full weekend slate of action. We had the temperature drop this weekend here in the Lone Star State. Uh, Garrett, you hosted us over at your place. We had a couple monitors out in the garage. We were we were just vibing, uh, really, until the early afternoon when our alma mater let us down once again. Uh, but boy, what a what a fun day! watching football together. Um, Garrett, we, we made the comment that uh, we had to wait much longer than than maybe some Midwesterners do to sit outside and tailgate and enjoy the game. But, uh, yeah, like walk me through just what was a glorious Saturday morning into the afternoon. Look, I mean, you can't depend on our alma mater to keep you happy on a Saturday. So, you know, understanding kind of where to put them in the right place you know, and, and how to understand them properly in their context. It was a good day. It was a good day hanging out, you know, getting some of the chillier weather in here, letting it roll on through that garage. We got the screens up and the, the brewskis were flowing and it was it was a good time. We had a fun day. And, you know, if you take the uh, you take that one little bit out where our team loses, then, uh, you know, it was a pretty fun time. You know, you include that and you can get your day ruined. But, you know, we're too mature for that now. It's true. That's true. Are we? And- well, listen, we'll pretend to be at, at least we will we will dive into AM and There was some pretty raw conversation in the 30 minutes following uh, that clock hitting allegedly zero. I, I'm, I'm true. <laughs> Mac, Mac Brown, one second up. Uh, no, we will dive into AM shortcomings. It really feels like this was a missed a golden opportunity missed uh, for the Aggies. But we've got to talk OU Texas first, uh, although Trey. I, you know, I do have to just give a quick shout out to to your nameplate. Texas is a baseball state today, but the Rangers and the Astros uh, starting the ALDS out one and zero. I mean, maybe this just needs to be a baseball podcast. I think, yeah, maybe for the month of October, we just I think Aggies and Longhorns and some TCU Horn Frogs, some Baylor Bears, some uh, several programs in the Lone Star State. I think can make a handshake agreement that we should all just be rallying our forces uh, behind our respective major league baseball teams and their postseason pushes. But listen, we're, we're here to talk college football. We're not going to, you know, swerve too far from that, but it was a very disappointing uh, day in the Lone Star state. I think for everybody outside of Lubbock. That, that may be very, very true. Um, Texas lost AM lost Baylor gets shellacked by the red Raiders TCU. What like, happened? What, what is drag? happening in Fort Worth? 
earth, man. Dude, I, I was only wearing, or Iowa State's only wearing half uniforms. Their team came out without pants, and it didn't matter. <laughs> They're just blowing up the TCU Horn Frogs. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just, again. just go Google uh, Iowa State uniforms. and um, They're pretty rough. Enjoy. Please, please don't watch them around small children. That may be inappropriate for... For viewers under 18 years old, uh, if you're on, if you're listening to this the next day on the podcast, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, apologies there. Uh, live radio is is always interesting. Um, if you have not joined us on the YouTube live stream before and you are doing so now, welcome. <clears throat> We're so glad to have you here. Uh, college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joes. We want to make football, college football specifically, approachable. So much fun. We love talking ball with you guys. In this recap show, uh, big shout out, of course, to our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB. They do tremendous work covering this game day in and day out. Of course, they're powered by No Context uh, CFB, <clears throat> and they're also uh, or we're also uh, partnered with HomeFieldApparel.com. Fifteen uh, percent off if you use our code Three Tech Pod for your first order. If you've already purchased from them, and I know many of you have, you can head on over to our Twitter account. You'll find a link. Uh, to use that will also get you 15% off. Garrett is constantly rotating uh, his collection in the background if you're watching on YouTube. Um, just a lot of great things that they've got going on. So head on over to our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Let them know that we sent you and uh, buy yourself some of the best college merch in the game. Guys, I think it's time to talk the wonderfully chaotic Red River rivalry. I mentioned the temperatures dropped. It was a picturesque morning in Fair Park, if you could get there, for number 12 Oklahoma, number 3 Texas. This was a back-and-forth game all morning long. Uh, Really didn't have a great sense of which team was going to pull it out at the last. Texas takes a a three-point lead with just a little over a minute to go, and Dylan Gabriel ultimately answers the bell a 34-30 win to knock off the Texas Longhorns. Um, I noted that this was a beautiful game for all involved, except, Trey, those of us that had the under. We we made it until, well, what, we made it, I guess, 59 minutes and 45 seconds? Yep, uh, yep. Uh, 15 I- seconds left in the game. Cash is the over with 15 seconds left. That was overwhelming. Uh, as we were making jokes then to laugh off the pain, these boys signed up for 60. And, uh, and OU delivers for all overbetters involved. Uh, Dylan Gabriel had a very, very solid game. Garrett, as you look at what Gabriel was able to do, you talked about him being the better quarterback heading into this matchup. He certainly was today. With Oklahoma's victory in mind, are the Sooners the unquestioned favorite? in the Big 12, or do we just re-rack and do this again in December in the Big 12 championship game? I think at this point, you have to say that they're the favorite. You've seen this team beat Texas, right? I think at this point, it's Oklahoma and it's Texas, and then it's a massive gap between the rest of them. But, you know, at this point, I have to think you say that you say, you know, Oklahoma played Texas already. They showed that in certain situations, they're able to play good defense. Uh, Obviously, this is back and forth. Obviously, you know, your under didn't hit, but at the same time, you know, they, they they came down the field, they stormed down, they won at the last second, they used, you know, a, a complete game. And I think that Dylan Gabriel established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. 
look, we, we've seen him light it up. We've seen him put up big numbers, but we asked what happens when he plays a real defense. Well, what happens when he plays a real defense is he doesn't just throw the ball effectively. He ran for whatever he wanted to. I believe he led the team in rushing stats as well. So, you know, shout out to him. Um, not just, you know, being effective in the pocket, but also doing a really, really good job as a runner, doing what he needed to do to get his team down the field. He was the best player on the field today, and and Oklahoma was the best team on the field. And I think that means that when these teams meet again in December, as we think that they will, you have to lean Oklahoma because they've already shown that they can do it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really curious to see if Texas, how Texas bounces back, because I, I've been telling you all season long, Texas is for real. Texas is legitimate. Personally, I don't believe that this loss uh, takes away from Texas being a good football team, even a college football playoff contender. I do think it shows you it is nearly impossible to go 12 and 0. And when you have uh, weaknesses, when you don't tackle well when your secondary is missing a guy like Ryan Watts. When your quarterback throws two interceptions in the ball game, it's really hard to win. And Texas made enough mistakes today that the Sooners ultimately capitalized on to lose a rivalry game. Now, Trey, I'll, I'll turn this around to you. You were ready to buy in. You were ready to hop on board the bandwagon, crown Texas as a legitimate playoff contender. What does this mean for Texas? Does this end their season? Does this potentially keep them on the outside looking in, even if they do run the table? What makes sense of this for the Longhorns? If they can run the table and beat OU and avenge this loss, no, it probably won't keep them out unless there's somehow four undefeated teams around the country ahead of them, which almost never happens. So no, I don't think that they'd be left out if they somehow ran the table, but what this means is Texas kind of lost their margin for error, right? I, I think they, they completely lost their margin of error. They can't have the uh-oh game that we've seen them have in the Big 12 in the past. Uh, and they can't let Oklahoma beat them twice because if they let this carry over into their next game, if they let have a hangover, if they slip up again, maybe in, uh, when they play Kansas State or Texas Tech, or someone else on the schedule, then they truly are out of playoff contention. And we're right back where we started questioning if Sark can get it done when it counts and win the conference. So listen, when we, and wow, just live reaction here, Georgia tech just hit a bomb touchdown to go up 23, 20 on Miami with one second left to go. So add to oh the craziness goodness. today. This is why go we do jackets. this live, y'all. Um, 
yeah, I'll yeah. Let's press pause real quick. Can we pause on Texas and just live react to this sure. Miami loss? Go for it. Yeah, like because so Miami had the ball, trying to ice the game. Georgia Tech, I think, was you know going to burn through their timeouts, and they fumbled to give Georgia Tech the ball back in the twenty-six yard line. Two, four plays is all it takes. Four plays, twenty-five seconds. Haynes King just hit a bomb touchdown, forty-four yards to the house. So it's about to be twenty-four twenty. Uh, wow. Georgia Tech with one second left. So, man, uh, what were we talking about again? Uh, Texas Longhorns. Texas, I guess. Uh, <laughs> man, it's harder on the third play of the game, though, right? Like, I, I've been hesitant to buy in because I just want to see consistency from Quinn Ewers. And even when everyone was ready to crown Texas, even when they beat Alabama, even when, you know, they relatively – they did really well against some other teams on their schedule. One, they had played some backup quarterbacks – and an unproven Jalen Milrow. And two, they had had some slow starts. They'd been sluggish on offense, and they hadn't looked great uh, for 60 minutes yet in a, in a uh, game. So, I don't know. Like, it, it's something that, you know, third play of the game, you see Quinn Ewers throw a really bad interception. He has three total turnovers on the day. And I think you have it's fair to question, outside of the Alabama game, are these moments just too big for him? Are these moments too big for Quinn Ewers? And can he be the one to lead Texas back to the promised land? I think it's fair to question because it certainly looked like, you know, he got outplayed by Dylan Gabriel today. The loss certainly wasn't all on him. The defense uh, didn't look as good as it had against other opponents. But, you know, it starts at the top. And Quinn Ewers, when you turn the ball over three times and give it to Oklahoma, it deep in your own territory a couple times, that's not going to be a good recipe for success. That's the glaring... That's the glaring stat when you when you look at this. If you're on the, the YouTube side of things, we've got the, the game stats pulled up right now. Across the board, it's fairly even, right? Total yards, not a huge disparity. Rushing yards, not a, not a huge disparity. Passing yards, uh, Texas passed for almost 100 more yards than Oklahoma did. But the three turnovers, that's the difference in the ballgame to me. Uh, Texas uh, not able to... In the goal line stand. Which, and, and, you know, and if a you want to talk about the other knock on Texas, it's been the toughness, right? It's uh, going back to Charlie Strong, putting the T back in Texas, if you want to go all the way back there. But th- that you, you don't win a game if you get shut out on the goal line when you get four carries at the one. Well, and Texas got stopped twice, uh, twice on the goal line, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, to not, to not punch it in, to not have – kind of that statement moment that I think the Longhorns were looking for in a rivalry game, certainly going to leave a bitter taste in their mouths, right? I mean, Matthew McConaughey's on game day saying, Hey, I watched the sunrise. There's some, there's some crimson in there, but then it burns off and it's all burnt orange. That's all great. That's all great. Having a minister of culture is awesome. Cool for the recruiting, but until Texas can nail down these big time moments, they're just going to be so many questions that surround their legitimacy. And now getting ready to head in the SEC, this becomes, you know, for better or worse, a, a, a week in and week out grind, right? And listen, I know the SEC is is a little down this year. I think I think you have a lot of good teams. I think you might only have one, maybe two great teams. But this is this is Texas's chance to make a statement, and there's no doubt that they slipped up today. 
Trey, as you mentioned, no margin for error. I still believe that Texas is a good team, that they can get this done, but they absolutely have to win out. An impressive win over Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, depending on how things shake out. I think Texas is in as that three or four seed, but boy, the Longhorns thought they had this in the bag. They they thought going into this game, maybe it was because of, of last year, maybe it was because of the confidence of beating Alabama. They thought that this Red River rivalry game was theirs to lose. And Oklahoma, credit to them, stepped up, conquered the demons from last year, a historic shellacking from a season ago, and Dylan Gabriel delivers a statement victory, a major win for Brent Venables, who, you know, I guess last thing on this, like, Brent Venables doesn't get enough credit, right? Six and seven, everybody is out on him. We we were certainly going, oh boy, I don't know if this is going to work out for the Sooners. Extremely critical of the Ted Roof hire. I will raise my hand on that. And they put all of that aside to get a rivalry win today. It's fascinating to see where these two teams go from here. Oklahoma certainly has an easier schedule Although uh, maybe Bedlam got a little bit more interesting with Oklahoma State's victory, uh, Texas still has a couple of, of challenges waiting for them on their schedule. That was the first game in the Lone Star State of the day. Let's go to College Station. Number 11 Alabama wins 26-20 over the Aggies. And, and guys, I mentioned this off the top. This felt like a golden opportunity that slipped through Jimbo's hands. Not once, not twice, but honestly multiple times. The Aggies, I think, overall, should have come out victorious in this game. And, and you can you can say that's, you know, totally, totally subjective. It probably is. But I felt like AM, at least on the defensive side, played well enough to win. They absolutely harassed Jalen Milrow in that first half. They had five sacks on the Alabama quarterback. The offense was sluggish but scored 17 points in that first half. They left a, a couple points on the board for sure. A fourth and one that doesn't get converted on um, on that first drive of the game. They have to settle for three on, on the next drive. It just, again, felt like Jimbo Fisher didn't quite get all of the juice out of the lemon for this game. And against a, a, a great opponent like Alabama, it ultimately ends up costing you. Trey, let's start with, with you here. Talking about the winners, we've talked a lot about Alabama, and this was not their year. This is a weaker Alabama team. This is not the Nick Saban coach teams of old. Has the rumor of Alabama's demise been greatly exaggerated after today, or is this just kind of par for the course what Alabama should do even in a down year? Well, I think if you thought Alabama wasn't even going to put up a fight after the Texas and USF games in back-to-back weeks, you were sorely mistaken because obviously they were going to make put up a fight, and I don't think Nick Saban was ever going to be dumb enough to not make any adjustments, right? He committed to Jalen Milrow after the USF game. Whatever went down there in South Florida, it is well behind them, and they have figured out what they want to do on offense. They figured out their identity. And credit Tommy Reese today for finding a matchup that he really liked and exploiting the heck out of that and not going away from it. Because for whatever reason, a lot of play callers in college football love to find a good matchup to exploit and then just go away from that. And Tommy Reese did not do that today. That matchup was um, 
Jermaine Burton uh, going up against DeBerry from Texas A&M. They picked on DeBerry all day. Jermaine Burton had 197 yards receiving for t- in two touchdowns. He and Isaiah Bond had pretty much the entire receiving yardage output for Jalen Milrow. And look, Jalen Milrow rose to the occasion today. He he heard all week how you know Max Johnson was probably a better quarterback. AM has the quarterback advantage in this one. Jalen Milrow is the worst quarterback at Alabama since you pick your random game manager in the mid-2010s, right? And he rose to the occasion today. He won this game with his arm. AM dared him to beat them with his arm. And he rose to the occasion, plain and simple. He got beat up in the first half, five sacks in the first half. He's obviously, you know, feeling a lot of pain from some of those big hits. And he just kept battling, kept standing in the pocket, kept hitting those deep bombs to Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond. And credit to him for getting it done when no one was really expecting him to. He, you know, has a career day and great, great uh, outing for him today. Great, uh, great appearance by the Alabama offense and they answered a lot of questions today I think I think a lot of doubters were silenced I know a lot of people in the media were picking AM in this one and they silenced a lot of critics today yeah sure I mean I think you hit it right on the head you you know you're talking about this matchup with you know Burton versus DeBerry they just found the matchup they liked and abused it all day and you know I think first half there's a little bit of that but then second half they especially went to it and really just kept you know hammering that over and over and over and there clearly wasn't any answer to that. You know, at the end of the day, Jimbo flat out got out coached by what Nick Saban did. And, you know, Saban went into the half, they made adjustments and Jimbo just didn't. And so, you know, it has me kind of wondering, you know, is this, you know, the end or is this the 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 death knell for, you know, Jimbo's championship hopes at AM, or is there a way to recover from this? I think I think this is the death nail for Jimbo's championship hopes at A&M. And, and maybe that sounds like an overreaction. Maybe, maybe it is. But when I look across the landscape of the SEC, this is the final season before Texas and Oklahoma join the league. This is the final season of the SEC West and East as we know it, right? I mentioned just a couple moments ago, there's a lot of good teams in the SEC, but I don't think there's a lot of great teams this season. And with a win over Alabama at home in front of one of the most impressive visitor lists that that College Station has ever seen, you had a chance to, for at least this season, to be great. Miami loss aside, you had a chance to be great in this season. And that opportunity slipped by the wayside today. You made too many mistakes on and off the field. The coaching decisions, the mismanagement of the game clock, the timeouts wasted, the, the lack of aggression in proper spots on fourth and one in, a, in opposing territory. You were playing not to lose the game instead of playing to win and go take it. And to me, if if a coach doesn't have that killer instinct, that take an opponent's heart and and rip it out and give them no hope, especially when you're in your own building. If you can't do that consistently, you can't be a championship team. And, And time and time again, we've seen Jimbo come up short in those moments. I mean, mismanaging the clock, burning a timeout to run the field goal team out, uh, late in that ball game is an inexcusable mistake. 
save those timeouts. You know you've set this whole thing up to where your defense is going to have to make one final stop. And that defense has played great all game long, with the exception of some busts in the secondary. And you burn one of their most valuable tools without any sort of reason. It's those kind of mistakes that just make me feel like we've reached a ceiling that I, I don't know if it's possible to break through until it just happens. Right now, A&M has all the resources to go win a national championship, to win an SEC championship, but they just get in their own way. They refuse to take that bull by the horns and ride it all the way to Atlanta, ride it all the way into the college football playoff. And for me, as an Aggie, as as a, a guy who loves the maroon and white, I'm not aboard the fire Jimbo bandwagon like most other people are. But if you're asking me if I believe that Jimbo Fisher can win a championship at Texas A&M after today, no, I don't. And and that's that's the the sad sad truth that I kind of had to come to driving home from from our watch party. There's just nothing that I've seen on the field that leads me to believe that Jimbo Fisher is the captain of a ship that goes to the ship. Yeah, and to your point Mitch, I think a lot of people just perusing Twitter and perusing uh, A&M forums. I think a lot of people are with you. I think this was a breaking point for a lot of people today. And it's interesting because I don't think losing to Nick Saban is inexcusable in and of itself, but it's certainly how it felt today. Like it was right there. You can be the big dog in the West. You can take down Alabama. You can put another nail in Nick Saban's, you know, the, whatever narrative you want to put in there, right? That he's that he's lost it or whatever. You can add another mark to that. You have so many recruits in attendance, and you just play conservative and you play to not lose, and that ends up making you lose. The one time Jimbo beat Alabama in his tenure at AM, it was just a reckless abandon of everything that he holds dear, uh, conservatively, right? Like he was calling plays that with motion, he was being creative, he was, you know, letting Zach Calzada just sling it around. And today it felt like he was trying to protect Max Johnson, protect his offense, and just really got spooked by not picking up a fourth down early. So he's a conservative guy. That's been how he's been his entire career. It's been a big knock on him. I remember some Florida State fans telling me that when uh, AM first hired him, that, you know, you're going to pull your hair out from how conservative he is at times. But it really bit him in the butt today. It really held his team back. And it really communicated, I think, to his team that he didn't believe in them. And that's the biggest thing to me. You don't go for it on fourth down and plus territory when you need a score and Alabama has all the momentum. One, you communicate to Alabama that you don't think you can get a yard. And two, I think you communicate to your team that you don't believe that in, in the biggest moments. So it's a mess. Everything's still in front of them this year. Like is. this is their first conference loss, right? But you don't really, uh, it, it's just like we say with Texas all the time, right? You, ha you have to see it before you believe it with Jimbo at AM and with AM in general, I think. Texas AM lets Alabama off with a host of penalties. I think, I believe this was the updated number 14 penalties for Alabama. Nine of them were pre snap motion. The crowd was loud, 108,000 folks in there, packed in. They were loud. They affected the game. Alabama did not play a clean game, but they exploited one mismatch on the outside. Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond had big games. They caught almost the entirety of 
the 321 yards from Jalen Milrow today. I mean, it was truly three guys that beat you on the Alabama offense. Um, and, and not being able to overcome uh, or take advantage of, I should say, the turnovers from Alabama, not being able to take advantage of all of the penalties, backing Alabama up, getting great field position. You were not super effective in the red zone. Um, yeah, it just one one conservative play call after another. There was no motion. There was no motion today in the offense, and, and that continues to to boggle my mind. When you have the playmakers out wide, you have the mismatches. Alabama's using motion left and right, and guess what? That's working. That's the only thing that gives Alabama a chance to throw the football down the field is if you create that motion and get those mismatches. Yeah. Well, and you have to go massive credit to Alabama's defense. They played a heck of a game, especially in that front four and that front seven. They did so well at just shutting down the run. I think, you know, AM averaged, you know, something like 1.9 or something like that. It was, just, it was just not effective. They ran the ball so many times and, you know, made out with like 67 yards at the end of the game. So it, it just, it's not going to get the job done. Um, and they did a really good job as that game wore on at continuing to collapse the pocket around Max. You know, they definitely weren't winning as much on the, you know, on the front end of the game. But as the game wore on, they were clearly in better shape. They clearly were just more relentless. And they did a much better job getting after Max, getting after the quarterback, shutting down the run, and just giving AM zero time to do anything on offense. So while, you know, you probably could have done some things to scheme yourself out of it, you also can't take away from what they did up front. Yeah. And I think the two, just one more thing on this game, the two just death kneels for AM in this one. Not being able to take advantage of the two mistakes that Jalen Milrow did make, right? Or I say two. One was an interception. One was a fumble that definitely wasn't his fault. But uh, the two turnovers that the Alabama offense gave you gives you the ball in their territory. I think they maybe got three points out of that, if I'm remembering right. I think they maybe kicked a field goal uh, in the second half on the second one, but I know they immediately turned it back over on the interception. But also this DJ Durkin back to not adjusting when the opponent comes out and, you know, has a plan for his game plan, Nick, uh, the offense, Tommy Reese made an adjustment in the second half. They were getting beat. Like they stole something up front. He slides in more protection to protect from the AM blitzers. And it gives Milrow enough time to find his guys on the outside. DJ Durkin does nothing to adjust in that chess match. Doesn't slide safety help over to help to bury doesn't adjust the blitz coverages. The blitz packages look the exact same. And you got to rotate more guys in there, too, uh, as they're getting worn down throughout the game. If you're blitzing all game, those guys are obviously going to get tired. You need to lean on your depth. You need to lean on uh, just the advantages that you do have. And I think that's a big thing that's lacking for AM right now is hammering home those advantages where they do have them. Uh, Georgia Tech-Miami has gone final. Uh, Georgia Tech... Does does win that game, and uh, so from nice. Stuart Mandel, real real quick before we move on to to Georgia and Kentucky, from Stuart Mandel, Miami led twenty to seventeen. Georgia Tech out of timeouts. Miami ran a third down play with thirty six seconds left. They could have taken a knee, and the clock would have run out. Instead, they handed yeah. the ball off up the middle fumbled the ball and Georgia Tech goes 74 yards in 26 seconds to win including the 48 yard touchdown pass from Haynes King to Seal. Absolute disaster. Uh that that one hurts for Miami. I mean the U is supposed to be back. 
they're and you know they're they're being trumpeted as an ACC title contender, and heck, they've looked like that. They've looked so good, and then to have just a brain fart that costs you a game at home. Um, there's going to be a lot made of that. That is a sloppy, sloppy loss uh, for Miami. That well, um, and they were sloppy the entire game. It wasn't just that. It was you know it was three to nothing at halftime, and there were some weather issues at this game. I believe I think they had a weather delay at one point, if I'm not mistaken. So just a weird game all around, but definitely one that Miami is going to be, I think, regretting losing at the end of the year. Unreal. Uh, it's <laughs> it's the the perk of going live on a Saturday night, right? Is you get to react to some of these some of this craziness in real time. Uh, the last of our three big games in the preview show was number one, Georgia, number 20, Kentucky. Oh my goodness. If you're watching on the YouTube side, yikes. Uh, the, the stats are up compiled by Garrett. If you're on the podcast side, let me tell you what we're looking at. 51 to 13, the final score, the Bulldogs just crush the Wildcats. 608 total yards for Georgia, 183 for Kentucky. I told you in the preview, Kentucky had a chance to hang around in this game. Why, guys? Because they were going to run the ball, and they were going to do it effectively. And Georgia can't stop the run. They haven't done it well all year. Uh, they gave up 55 yards today. They ran for a buck. Jamie Hagar. Instead. Just, mm, mm. Uh, yeah, I, I tweeted earlier, many are... Many are, are wondering if I actually know ball because I am in maybe the coldest cold streak of my broadcasting career. Um, basically, if I say something, fade me. Go the other way, and it's a stone-cold lock of the week because right now, you know, listen, I think the process is good. Trey, you and I were talking about this on the under for Texas OU not hitting, right? 59 minutes and 45 seconds, our process was true. We were on the money, and then a late touchdown sinks our ship. That's how it's normally been for me, but boy, I'll I'll admit it. I got this one completely wrong. I looked at the numbers. I looked at what Georgia and Kentucky had both, I thought, collectively done and, and said, sure, an elite defense against an offense that struggled to find an identity, an offense that struggled to put lesser opponents away, let's ride with the dog. Shouldn't have done that. Rode with the wrong dog today. Um, thanks, Teddy. Teddy says Georgia heard that Mitch said that and said, hold my beer. Basically, um, Carson Beck dominated 389 yards, four touchdowns mentioned Kentucky couldn't run the ball. Trey has the giant awakened is Georgia. Is this the Georgia that we've been waiting on that can now run their way to a third straight national title? Well, yeah, if they play like this, Absolutely. Um, the consistency is going to be the issue for Georgia, I think, this year. And it always is with a young quarterback. Carson Beck has been fantastic this year. I think he's catching a lot of strays for no good reason. And he's done a great job with the offense. The play calling has been a little inconsistent. The run game hasn't been there at all times. But it looked great tonight. Kentucky's a great defensive team, and they put up 51 on them. That's really, really impressive. And I think, you know, they're definitely motivated by the little number next to Kentucky's name. I think what we're going to see with uh, Georgia a lot this year is as they're in the lull parts of their schedule, they might play down to their competition just a little bit. But I trust Kirby Smart. I said this on the preview show. I trust Kirby Smart to get things figured out. I didn't know that they would hold them to 55 yards 
but I thought they would look a lot better in uh, disciplined run defense this week. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, they're the proverbial favorite in the uh, whole sec for a reason. I think they earned their number one ranking tonight. Obviously they haven't been as consistent as a team like Michigan and Michigan also looked really, really good today. So we'll get to them in just a second, but I think Georgia most talented team in the country on paper, and they're starting to show it's starting to gel. If the freshman quarterback gets more consistent and they can put it all together, look out because it's going to be a steamroll again. Very impressive showing by the Georgia Bulldogs. I think they will earn some of those votes back uh, as, as far as being the, the top team. There were five teams in the country coming into play today that had earned first place votes, according to the AP poll. I wonder if that number goes down, obviously, right? With Texas losing, Georgia dominating, I think you're going to see a much more concentrated number uh, for the Bulldogs going into this next week. Uh, Elsewhere around the SEC, there were two other games that really stood out. Number 23, LSU beats number 21, Missouri, 49-39. And then number 16, Ole Miss hangs on over Arkansas, 27-20. Uh, do y'all have any any takes from this game? We were uh, we were watching LSU Missouri early on. Y'all were both on Mizzou, uh, and I, I don't remember if you were just on them covering or winning outright. But uh, my my model did get this one right. I figured LSU would score all the points. It was just can Missouri keep up? This was a one score game until Brady Cook threw an interception. That was the cover play in the waning seconds. LSU's offense looks really good, but gosh, their defense is terrible yeah it's sound all the red flags raise the alarms you know lsc's defense is a big problem and i think it's going to be a problem this entire year i don't know what they could do at this point to fix it the tape is out if you have an elite game breaking wide receiver you are going to put up yards and you're going to put up points on the lsu tigers this year luckily they weren't playing an elite defense this week and they weren't playing a team that could you know fully take advantage of that they got just enough plays and just enough opportunistic plays from their defense. But listen, LSU, it's going to be a long year because I think there's several more teams on the schedule that can really take advantage of it. Daniels has been fantastic this year, and he's putting up a ton of numbers and basically willing his team to victory um, when they have it. This is the most impressive win of the year so far. And I do want to say kudos to them for going on the road in a raucous environment and getting it done because that's that's not easy. It hasn't been easy for them in the past. But, yeah, LSU is going to be fascinating to watch. They're going to put up a lot of points, but they're going to give up just as many most weeks. Yeah, their offense is just so dynamic. And the issue is if they, if they can't figure out the defense, they have other dynamic offenses left on their schedule. And they also have offenses that can just play ball control and, you know, just kind of take you out of the game. And if they do that, I don't think Missouri did a very good job of that today. If they can do that, then, I mean, yeah, you're not going to be able to put up as many points. LSU probably won't breathe easy for the rest of the year. They may win a whole bunch of games, but they're not going to breathe easy about it because with that defense, you can't relax. It's it's kind of like having a bad bullpen in baseball. You know, it doesn't matter how big your lead is. You're going to you're gonna panic a little bit. You're going to feel – a little uneasy until that last the last strike goes through and that guy finally waves and misses. So, yeah, we're we're uh you know relating to that a little bit as Texas Rangers baseball fans, but that's that's kind of how LSU is going to feel, uh, I think, for the rest of the fall. It's interesting to look at these two teams' schedules, right? I mean, technically, it could all be right there in front of LSU. Now they don't control their destiny after losing to Ole Miss. Uh, they're going to need some help. 
to reach Atlanta, but already a two-loss team. Boy, it felt like they were going to be a three-loss team at one point multiple times today. Uh, they come home to play Auburn and Army. They go to Alabama, uh, home then for the final three games of the year. So LSU only has one road game the rest of the way, and it's at Alabama. How, how do we feel about LSU? Like, can't even though they're a half team... Is there a scenario where they beat uh, Alabama and end up in Atlanta? Oh, there definitely is a scenario where they beat Alabama. It's the same formula as last year, right? Getting a little bit of a shootout and hope your offense can score more points than their offense. And I think if that's how that game turns out, if LSU can consistently move the ball against Alabama, I'm not totally convinced of that because Alabama's defense has been really, really impressive. Um. I don't know that Alabama's offense can keep up. Milrow looked really, really good today and still only had 26 points to show for it, right? So I don't know that Alabama's offense is dynamic enough to keep up with LSU's when it's clicking, but that game I think is going to rest in the hands of the Alabama defense and how they scheme and match up and cover the receivers and uh, contain Daniels. But outside of that game, you know, if they can somehow find a way to win at Brian Denny, then they're probably going back to Atlanta because you say they don't control their own destiny, that would be a three-way tie at the top of that point. Actually, it might be a four-way tie if AM still has one loss. So um, it, it's the tiebreaker rules I'm not completely familiar with, but I think it goes into who has the highest college football playoff ranking at that point. And LSU would, by virtue of having a more recent big win and a less recent loss, would probably find themselves closer to the top. So who knows? Not completely controlling your own destiny, but it's still all right there for them. Uh, wrapping up the SEC, as I mentioned, Ole Miss hangs on against Arkansas at home. Boy, that was a scary game for the Rebels. Starting to wonder if Ole Miss is, well, how many games they're going to win down the, the stretch of this season. They're 5-1 and one right now. You squint, and you could easily be 3-3 three and three if, you're, if you're being completely honest. Mississippi State wins over Western Michigan. Florida struggles early with Vanderbilt, but pulls away late 38-14. Uh, and that uh, that puts a wrap on the SEC. Let's go over to the ACC, where a big-time streak was snapped here tonight, fellas. Number 10, Notre Dame falls to number 25, Louisville, 33-20. to 20. Notre Dame had previously beaten 30 straight ACC opponents. They don't get it done tonight. Sam Hartman throws two interceptions in the loss. Three Louisville interceptions were- by the end of it. He threw one to end the game, too. Did he throw one more, too? So yeah. three interceptions. He Interesting note, he came in 145 pass attempts without throwing an interception this season, throws three of them. So I appreciate the update on that. Uh, Louisville looks really good. And, and Trey, you credit where credit's due. You talked about Louisville, Jeff Brom in year one. He's got them playing well. I made the comment on Twitter, they were the ones that looked like the top 10 team at home tonight. What what impressed you about uh, the Cardinals in, in their winning effort tonight? I mean, it's a balanced offense attack right now, but really the defense has been the most surprising, most impressive for me because it hasn't been just this week. The entire season, the defense has been absolutely fantastic. So, um, you know, Jawar Jordan on offense is an absolute dude. If you didn't know him by now, you certainly know his name after watching that game tonight because he took over that game uh, towards the middle and in the second half. And, you know, Jack Plummer, 
I don't think he's going to be ever a Heisman caliber quarterback, right? But he takes care of the football. He's been efficient this year and he runs that offense really well. So they've got a lot of really fun pieces and they've got some talent on that roster. I think Jeff Brom is a fantastic coach as well that gets his system instilled and gets his guys all moving in the same direction. That can't be said for a lot of coaches, right? I think he's definitely one that the sum is greater than the, uh, the, uh, parts put together however you say that cliche phrase whatever but some is greater than its parts yeah thank you so much it's late um uh, and yeah i i'm really excited to see what they can do the schedule is not unbearable they have games against duke the toughest game remaining i think is against duke and then they also play miami towards the end too and we saw what happened with miami tonight so we're looking at a bona fide acc title contender here in year one under jeff brom and that's really really exciting to me i'm really excited that louisville's back and competing for that and garrett i know they scorned you last year but are you ready to hop back on the bandwagon with me they, they don't want me at this point if i continue to <laughs> scorn them then maybe that'll help their success so you know what we're gonna go with that i'm not gonna be uh i'm not gonna be hopping on this bandwagon quite yet um you know I, I, i've learned my lesson you don't go back to people like this <laughs> She's Very calling true. out though. She's calling out to you. She's a siren. She in is. The, she is. You're on the ship. We've learned our lesson. This was a seven-seven game at the half, guys, and that that first score from Louisville in the first quarter gifted to them, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Hartman throws an interception uh, uh, just a couple plays into the game, sets Louisville up on uh, on the plus thirty yard line. They're able to go in score. So a very close game at the half, and then just a track meet broke out. You mentioned Jawar Jordan. Notre Dame came in allowing just over 124 yards total on the ground per game. Jawar Jordan had 143 by himself tonight. Uh, The whole is greater than the sum of their parts. That's the saying that we were looking for. Thank you, yes. Louisville, Louisville really put it all put it all together tonight. I was really impressed. Like that's Jack Plummer only threw for 145 yards, but they didn't need him to do much more than that. Right. The defense stepped up Trey, as you, as you mentioned, uh, Notre Dame now eliminated from the college football playoff discussion, certainly without a conference championship to, to hoist, uh, that second loss, uh, should sink their ship officially. Um, but Louisville full steam ahead, man, their, their, uh, chances, at an ACC championship, certainly getting stronger now that Miami's lost, right? That's another team that's out of the way uh, and and uh, full steam ahead for the Louisville Cardinal. I'm pulling up their schedule right now. They go uh, home. They or stay at home. No, I'm sorry. They go to Pitt in two weeks' time. Still not right. They go to Pitt next week. Sorry, live radio. They go to Pitt next week. Then they get their bye. Home against Duke, home against Virginia Tech, home against Virginia at Miami, finish uh, against Kentucky. There's a lot of wins on that remaining schedule, I think, for Louisville. Duke is going to be without Riley Leonard, we believe, with that high ankle sprain. Miami looked beatable tonight, obviously, in a losing effort against Georgia Tech, and I don't think anyone is scared of the Virginia school. So, hypothetically, it could all come down to the uh, to that final game in conference against Miami. And then who knows if maybe something bigger is on the line when they host Kentucky uh, for that season finale. I've got a couple Notre Dame questions for y'all and y'all can fire off your answers really quickly so we can move on. But listen, 
obviously they are out of the playoff contention right now. And I don't think anybody in South Bend is happy about that. But a couple questions for you guys. One, what is your panic level about the Notre Dame offense? Because this is now three weeks in a row that have been extremely lackluster. I know they're playing good defenses in uh, Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville, but really lackluster performances. The shoe finally kind of dropped with Sam Hartman catching the turnover bug tonight. And two, what's your temperature on Marcus Freeman as a head coach? Is he still the guy at Notre Dame? Are we starting to question him a little bit uh, when we think back to last year as well? What do you guys think? So I think Notre Dame's still in a great spot with Marcus Freeman. I still think that that's going to work out. That's going to be just fine. Or, or at the very least, there's not enough information and it's still too early to really make a judgment on that. In terms of their offense, I am concerned. And I, I'm going to you know back off of them officially. I mean, I know that it's their second loss, but I'm going to back off of them being one of the better teams in the country just because I think at this point it's kind of obvious that they're able to out-talent some people but they haven't been able to to go out there and compete against defenses of a similar caliber to them, right? This is now Ohio State has a similar caliber defense to what they were bringing out on offense in terms of the players that are out there. Duke, similar, right? They had, a, I think, a better scheme as opposed to better, you know, people. And they, they, they won that game, but it wasn't a pretty offensive effort for Notre Dame. And then once again now against Louisville, I, I'm just not convinced that they are what – they need to be on offense. I'm not sure that Sam Hartman is dynamic enough. He certainly knows plenty about football and plenty about what to do, but I'm just not sure he's dynamic enough as a quarterback. Um, and I just think that they're missing too many pieces around him, regardless of if he is the guy or not. They're just missing too many pieces around him to right now compete at that high level. I don't think Notre Dame has the skill position players out wide to be an elite team to win a track meet. Um, you know, listen, Sam Hartman is is a good quarterback. Um, sometimes he throws these interceptions and it costs them. I think defensively they're going to be fine. I think this was a tough spot for them. And I, I wonder if maybe they weren't giving Louisville their full due coming in. Uh, but this is a very good Cardinals team. I think this win says more about Louisville than the loss does about Notre Dame, but clearly Notre Dame, not a top four playoff contending team. I think they're going to be just fine with Marcus Freeman. I think he's recruiting really well. I think he gets the culture. Um, I think he's a, he's a really, really good football coach. And I think Notre Dame is, is going to be um, just fine. Uh, elsewhere around the ACC, number 14, UNC absolutely drubs Syracuse. Not much to say here uh, other than Drake May has a massive game, 442 yards, three touchdowns from Drake May. And Tez Walker, we got to give him a shout out. First time to play all season after the NCAA pulls their head out of the sand. Uh, six catches, 43 yards for, for Tez. If you haven't heard his story, um, definitely go look it up. It essentially had transferred twice. One of the times he was at North Carolina Central during the COVID season, didn't play a single down for them because they didn't have a season. Um, but the NCAA was saying, oh, you transferred twice. You have to be a grad student to transfer the second time when in reality, he was transferring closer to home, has some family things going on, wanted to be closer to his mother, uh, and the NCAA just showing how cold and heartless and absolutely ignorant uh, that entire organization is. They finally allow him to uh, to play, basically blaming it on UNC's uh, faculty for not getting them the correct information, um, whatever that excuse is. But really, really cool to see Tez back on the field. Uh, Garrett, you've been... Trumpeting the question, 
Is Syracuse good? I think definitively we can say no. Syracuse isn't good. Bad offense. Absolutely zero defense. Tough scene. Syracuse is not good. I tried to tell (laughs) y'all. I don't know that we were like on the bandwagon that Syracuse was good. I just, the question was out. Hey, Trey kind of kept bringing up the question. You know, he was like, hey, are they good? I think they might not be that bad. I'm like, they're not good, guys. They're just not good. I just think that they're not bad. Right. I, I, I don't know yeah. that I'm I, I don't know that I was ever on the they're good bandwagon, but I just think that they're not bad. And I think that they still could win a lot of games this year as a not bad team. So listen, I, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. They might not be good, but how many wins do you see? I, they're not gonna beat Florida State next week, obviously. What? Um but <laughs> I don't think they're gonna beat Florida State. Um, but after they're by they're at Virginia Tech. Boston College, Pitt at Yankee Stadium, at Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest. That's probably an eight and four team, fellas. And I think eight and four is solidly okay. Sir, that is a Wake Forest team that held the vaunted Clemson offense to just 17 points, right? Uh-huh. The, the vaunted yep. Clemson offense, is that right? The so, very same sir, in Death Valley. That is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket team that just beat Miami tonight. Shout out sure. Georgia Tech. And how yeah, did we, it go last week for Georgia Tech? I don't want to worry talk about, about that, Trey. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that information. Uh, Bowling Green, by the way, got shut out this weekend. So transitive Mac, property is so fun. I love it, the transitive it, property it is. in college the, football. The MAC chooses really fun times to fly the flag, and then kind of takes maybe the next week off. Um, but yeah, good win for Georgia Tech. Uh, Clemson seventeen twelve. Listen, I don't really know what to make of Clemson. Their offense is not explosive. Um, Cade Klubnick's not not the dude yet. Uh, and at times, even though they got Will Shipley, they're just slow and lethargic. The defense is really good. Love the Clemson defense, but boy, you got to score some points to be kind of nationally relevant. Number five, Florida State struggles a little bit with Virginia Tech. This game was close for a time. Florida State rocketed out of the gate. They let Kyron Jones and company. March back into it before pulling away late. Trey Benson uh, has a big day. And then, of course, Georgia Tech upsets Miami thanks to, oof, boy, a big mental error for the Canes. Uh, I will say this a couple times now that Florida State's kind of fallen asleep at the wheel. And that's something I want to look out for because they'll play a better team, have a little bit smaller of a lead, and they might fall asleep at the wheel, mess around, and end up dropping one. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that for Florida State going on through the rest of the season. Sure, you're just talking about next week when Syracuse has a has a lead on. I don't know. Not talking Mark. about Syracuse. Garrett Schrader is known for catching people while they're sleeping. So that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's the only reason yeah, it gets me allegations or something. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's not Case McCoy. No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. 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 <laughs> not what well, I was referring to. Gentlemen, let's go to the heartland. Maybe the preferred conference of some. On this phone call, uh, I guess we got to start with number two, Michigan. Listen, they just boat race Minnesota. This is they they did so much boat racing. They might have rode the boat for Minnesota, fifty-two to ten. This is not a good Minnesota team, but I know we have some Michigan fans in the chat. Garrett, you agreed earlier with one of those comments. <clears throat> excuse me, with one of those comments in the YouTube chat that Michigan should be the top team in the land. 52 to 10. I'm not going to ask you to make an argument for Michigan because they did a great job tonight. Um, But 
in order for Michigan to get to that number one spot over Georgia, what do you think they have to do? Is it just going to be in, we got to wait until they beat Ohio State? Probably. I mean, they, they just, here's the thing I never understand. It doesn't seem like Big Ten football gets the respect that the SEC gets. But if you look at the conferences, I, I know that we're kind of comparing top to bottom and, and just saying like, oh, well, you know, the top end talent is there, but, you know, maybe the rest of the talent in the Big Ten isn't there. I, I'm not entirely convinced that that's true. I've looked at a lot of SEC teams this year, and I'm not entirely convinced that a lot of those teams in the middle are all that good. So I'm, I'm looking top of the conference to top of the conference. And, and I'm just saying that I think Michigan's doing expe- exactly what you would expect them to do week in and week out. They're just they're they're going on on the road in this case, and they're just beating up on Minnesota, who's not all that good, but does a couple things well. And, you know, they're going to, you know, kind of show up and put up a little bit of a fight. And then what do you do? You just take care of business, right? You just, you do what you have to do. You're a good overall football team. Uh, I think that they're just a little bit disrespected. I think from a, from a national standpoint, because they don't play flashy football, right? I, I don't feel like we get the cutaways to the big highlight play for Michigan. That's typically like a run play too. Um, there's not as many big time plays that Michigan pulls off, which isn't going to make the media fall in love with you. But uh, what do you expect from a team to just go out there and win 52 to 10 and do stuff like that on a, on a, you know, Saturday to Saturday basis? I, I don't understand the disrespect. If you want to say that Georgia shows that they're flashier, that's fine. But, you know, again, right now, I would probably make the case that Michigan has showed me more on the whole of the season than Georgia has. Georgia's closer than they have been because they looked really, really good today. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that you have to, you know, acknowledge the fact that they have looked better over the whole of the season than anybody else has so far. I think they're a darn good football team, and I'm excited. I, I'm pulling up Michigan's schedule right now. I'm excited to see them play a team with a pulse, right? Like, that, to me is the only thing that that we've got to wait and see. They played Rutgers, and Rutgers kind of has a pulse, right? They're a decent team, not a team that can compete with Michigan. But other than that, they played a bunch of nobodies, and they still have a bunch of nobodies. We've still got to suffer through a home game against Indiana at Michigan State, which is a rivalry game. I'll give you that. Weird things happen. Sometimes you have trouble with the snap in those games. And then you play Purdue. Uh, This is not the spoiler makers team of old, though, so I'm not worried about that. It, you, it it takes until Veterans Day to get any sort of real competition at uh, Penn State, at Maryland, home against Ohio State. I think we're just going to be asking that same question week in and week out for basically the next month. Trey, do you agree? Yeah, I do. And I think this is the exact same situation we found ourselves in last year, right? Like we were just waiting around for Ohio State and Michigan to play each other. And that's where I think – you know, Garrett, you're talking about the conversation of the Big Ten and the SEC. I think that's why people kind of get frustrated with the Big Ten, right? Is there's way more Indianas and Northwesterns of the world in the Big Ten than there are in the SEC. There's just more – the middle tier in the SEC, I think, is way, way better than the middle tier in the Big Ten. And I think the gap between the middle and the top is way smaller. So it seems like – even if it's not true, it just seems like – the tests are better for the top teams in the SEC. I mean, look at Auburn pushing Georgia last week. Look at, um, you know, you look around Arkansas, pushed Ole Miss to the brink tonight, pushed LSU a couple weeks ago to the brink. I don't think anybody's saying that Arkansas is, you know, anywhere close to 
even a middle tier team in the SEC this year. So I think just top to bottom, it's a lot tougher of a grind and you don't get as many gimme weeks in the Big Ten or in the SEC, excuse me. But still a lot of talented teams up there, still a lot of good programs. If you're talking about the middle of the SEC being down, I'd say the middle of the Big Ten is down worse right now. And it's probably just fatigue from the top three. Like it's probably just, you know, a lot of fatigue from those programs of like, okay, we got three premier programs at the top and there's just, it's just so hard to catch them. It's so hard to recruit with them. It's so hard to, you know, find access to players to catch up with them. It's a little bit easier to do that in the South. If you're suffering from a case of the down bads, if you're suffering from a case of fatigue, might I interest you in a bowl of turtle soup? Um, Trey, you called this a crock potting. I thought I was going to be a coward. I thought I was going to be labeled a coward for switching my pick on the preview show from Maryland plus the 19 and a half over to Ohio State. Ohio State wins by 20, 37 17. Garrett, um, this was an emotional roller coaster. We went from thinking Maryland was going to boat race. Ohio State. Okay, now it's a competitive game to, oh my gosh, what has happened to Maryland? Uh, the pick six that Talia threw was was an absolute game changer. I just, I want to turn the floor over to you. Um, you know, how first of all, how you doing uh, on an emotional level? And uh, what, what thoughts do you have on this game? Look, the, the game did not go the way we were hoping that it would. Um, you know, clearly, I think we were, you know, hoping for a, a better result. Very clearly here. I'll spotlight myself. I was going to say wrong screen. I was trying to troll Garrett. (laughs) Look, Maryland, things didn't go the way we wanted it to today. Um, Things things clearly went a little bit off the rails. Um, You know, you were up 10-0. We were riding high. We were, you know, talking our stuff. We were like Caden Prather. He's that guy. He scored that opening touchdown. We're we're rocking. And then, you know, Talia throws a ball late over the middle uh, on a sit-down route, gets picked, goes all the way back. And the wheels just came off at that point. I mean, it, it wasn't over, but it was over. They just they didn't really do very much on offense pretty much from that point on. Um, and that, that that was tough to watch. And so, you know, while I certainly will not apologize to any Ohio State fans on this one because, you know, it's kind of my brand to just hate on the Ohio State Buckeyes, so I'm going to stick to it. I do have to say I'm a little disappointed in Maryland. I didn't think they were going to win this one. And I still get two more shots to hit my 10-win Maryland pick from the preseason, so – I'm going to I'm going to keep holding that one until it's officially mathematically eliminated. But this is not the encouraging sign that we needed to see uh, out of the turfs today. So we feel bad um, and we're going to we're going to hang on. We're going to keep the faith because uh, as they would say, and as the Terrapins should know best, slow and steady does win the race. Well said. Hey, hey, and, and folks get to go to Bentley's either way, right? Either way. Right. Uh, elsewhere in the Big Ten, Iowa beats Purdue twenty to fourteen. Trey, you got to cash that Iowa minus the two and a hook ticket. Thank you, defense. Nebraska wins twenty to seven. Did you hit your parlay? By the way, did you hit any of your parlays in the ledger? I don't think so. I have to go back and look. I think it was a rough week outside of the Nebraska or the Iowa yeah. spread. I I thought so. I think the Arkansas Ole Miss line. Maybe you had the over in that one. I don't think I that one hit anyway. No, I, uh, I know. I already know. I I pitched a shutout. We we went over on uh, on my ledger picks. Um, listen, drive charts are are something that are 
is near and dear to many college football fans' hearts, right? And popular on other podcasts. The Wisconsin Rutgers drive chart. Uh, this is is one of the best of the week. Uh, Wisconsin wins 24-13. They do not cover, in case you were financially backing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. But the drive chart looks like this. Field goal, punt, 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 miss field goal, punt, fumble, punt, touchdown, interception for a touchdown, end of half. That was a pick six on, I believe, inside the 10-yard line, by the way. Rutgers Mm. was trying to put points up on the board, and instead it was a 14-point swing. We come out of the break. We got more Big Ten action for you, baby. We go punt, 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 downs, touchdown, touchdown, punt, punt, downs, fumble, touchdown, end of game. And people wonder why we say the SEC is better. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that was a cover play, though. Uh, A three-play, 21-yard drive uh, for the score. Shout-out Gavin Wimstad for for supporting those financially back in the Scarlet Knights. Um, you know, to hold Wisconsin 24, I think is admirable. Uh, but you know, Wisconsin, they've got it all in front of them, right? They just need to take care of business. And I think they can represent the big 10 West in Indianapolis. I would feel a whole lot more comfortable though, if they could score some more points. They have Ohio state next week. Is that next week? Or is it two weeks away? It's coming Uh, up soon, but they've got Iowa next week. Okay. All right. So a big game, a couple big games on the horizon for them. Iowa and Ohio state isn't too far away. I don't think so. Listen, Wisconsin, I think is your favorite now with Cade McNamara out. I think they have to be your favorite in the West since it'll be proven otherwise, but outside of that, it's been really hard for the West to break through, but you know, they're starting to click a little bit. They're playing a little bit more defense than they were earlier in the year and they're still undefeated in conference play. So Indie bound whiskey still on as of right now, like we predicted in the preseason. Guys, this is still the shadow realm. Okay, this is still the shadow realm. We have to acknowledge that weird stuff may happen. We have to acknowledge that point. Northwestern technically tied for third right now in that whole thing. So that should tell you about where we are. It's not quite as shadowy as it was last year. Um, It's not November yet, brother. It got really shadowy. True. True. Um, you mentioned Cade McNamara, obviously out with the ACL. I can't imagine Trey why you wouldn't favor Iowa to to reach Indianapolis when Deacon Hill is going six for twenty one for a buck ten through the air, a touchdown and a pick. I mean, what what yeah, about that? Doesn't ins- that? Why doesn't that inspire confidence? Um, Brian Ferentz continues to fall behind the quota. By the way, they missed the twenty five point mark again. Maybe uh, down like. 20 points right now he's falling behind he we're we're, we're gonna have he's to face. he's the guy at the at the poker table that keeps splitting his hand and keeps doubling down and just <laughs> keeps digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper and extending the yeah, we, we need to get yodel in if we're if we're yeah. you know young ferrance uh deacon hill finished with the qbr of uh of two by the way in a winning effort that good mind you uh that is that is not this is not going oh. not looking for the lowest score oh, okay um, let's go out west. Now, there's a couple of games that are still in action in the Pac-12, one of which, I don't know if you guys have had this on a free screen, Arizona is up 17-14 over USC. I it told you guys seven, what I tell it you. Was it was 17-0. reacting something weird in this it was, game. It was 17-0, and then USC stormed back. 
Um, it is not Jaden Delora playing quarterback for Arizona. Noah Fafita, I think Fafita, is how you yeah. say his name. He's in 16 to 22 right now. Again, they're at the half, two touchdowns and a pick. Caleb Williams, four of 10 for 92 yards and a touchdown. That's it. Hey, hey shout out to Troy McMillan on that one. Five receptions, 117 yards. He's he's moving the ball. He's a big play guy. He is. He is. Uh, Arizona's, Arizona's tough to play. Their defense is starting to, to get back to its old form um, from a couple of years ago when, boy, they were just miserable to go play out in the desert. They're in the Coliseum tonight, but they're fighting strong. A uh, couple of games that went final, UCLA 25, number 13, Washington State 17. Again, one of the few games that I got right this week. I knew something about that line smelled funny. And uh, Trey, today the Cam Ward hype train like blew off the rails. I mean, there's, there's, yep. there's a big time cleanup that we've got to make out in some farmer's field because we've just got coal cars all over the place. We've got some sort of fuel leaking into the environment. 197 total yards for Ward and two picks did not throw a touchdown. Even worse, I highlighted the fact in the in the preview show that Washington State just does not run the football. 12 yards tonight against UCLA. Not a winning formula, and, uh, and the Bruins find a way to get it done despite Dante Moore throwing another pick six. I will say the hype train that is firmly on the tracks is the UCLA defense hype train and Chip Kelly fielding, fielding an elite defense is not something I had on my 2023 preseason bingo card. So oh. I'm here for it. That makes it way more interesting out West. So let's go for it. Uh, Colorado beats Arizona state 27, 24 wild Versus finish to that one. I was listening to it cause I don't yep. have the Pac 12 network, but wild finish to that one. You and every other American. Um, yeah, basically, Arizona State ties it up with uh, inside of a minute left to go. A busted coverage on the back end allows Colorado to get in field goal range with just seconds left, and they kick the game-winning field goal. Colorado goes to 4-2. and two. Bowl eligibility, certainly in front of them. Um, you know, listen, Colorado's not, uh, not a premier team. Don't need to treat them like one, but the remaining schedule... Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. You've got to think they can get a win against Stanford, but then honestly, guys, tell me where that other win is. It's right? tough. Like, as much as folks want to hype up Colorado, I think the reality is setting in. Had they lost today, I would have taken the under on bowl eligibility. I, getting two more wins out of that, out of that schedule, maybe they catch, you know, a team like Arizona. Maybe they catch a Washington state or something like that on an off day. But I don't know that you can favor Colorado to get to a bowl game still. Uh, I will say end of the season, they do play Utah. And if there's still no cam rising, that's a winnable game because Utah cannot score without cam rising. So even though that might be a defensive fest, right? They, they just, you know, Utah's not going to score on Colorado if there's no cam rising. Uh, Oregon State in a dogfight with Cal right now. It's 35-32 heading to the fourth quarter. DJ Uyunglele, 208, but he's got four touchdowns for the Beavers. Is the 15th-ranked team in the country is trying to hang on. Uh, let's go to the Big 12 now. Uh, boy, absolute chaos in Stillwater as Oklahoma State on Friday night knocked off Kansas State 29-21. We were talking about this game this morning. Kansas State did... 
like everything conceivable that they could to get down big early Trey, like you were saying it, it was just a bizarre a bizarre game a bizarre kind of scheme from kansas state it felt like they were intentionally trying to see how big of a deficit they could come back from and then accidentally dug too big of a hole but yeah will howard had his worst game as a kansas state starter it just kind of snowballed from there. The team just felt like they were kind of asleep at the wheel for most of that. Uh, most of the game, they kind of tried to turn it on at the very end and come back at the end, but it was just too little too late there. Um, and yeah, I saw a tweet also during this game. It's like, here comes Kansas state's ninth critical possession of the fourth quarter <laughs> that they need to score on to win. And they went over nine. Um, but yeah, just a rough night in Stillwater for the Cats. The Big 12 championship hopes are on thin ice after that one. And Mike Gundy, man, I, I saw another stat from this one that said he's won like 10 of his last 11 or something like that outright as a home dog. So I think it was eight of his last nine. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So eight of his last nine outright wins as a home dog. Take it to the bank. Remember that next week for the ledger. I gotta say two things on Oklahoma State. Number one, too bad they were not a dog against South Alabama. Number two, gotta shout out my guy, Ollie Gordon, former Trinity Trojan. Tease up, baby. 21 carries, 136 yards, a touchdown. Love to see it from my guy. Hopefully a breakout game from him because he was really oh, yeah. watching high school and he just hasn't really found the consistency yet in college. So maybe this will get him going. And if he can put it together, he is talented enough in you know multiple phases, both as a runner and a pass catcher. He can you know get some stuff going, and they could be not maybe not dangerous, but they could be plucky if he can get to that level. Uh, Iowa State blows out TCU. Now the final score twenty seven fourteen. Make no mistake, this game was not that close. Iowa State was in firm control of this game, uh, and and leading by as many as three scores. At one time, uh, the most interesting note from this game, guys, to me, uh, like I said earlier, Iowa State wearing throwback uniforms to honor Jack Trice, who their stadium is named after the first African-American player to ever play for Iowa State, tragically passed away after a football game where the injuries he sustained for that game were literally so severe that it killed him. A, a fantastic tribute. In the daytime, those jerseys looked looked solid under the lights though it looked like the guys just straight up were not wearing pants i mean it it's a it's a not safe for it's work pretty scene. rough yeah not not good on the visuals there uh someone said uh welcome to the new football after dark featuring iowa state um maybe the pac-12 needs to recruit the cyclones maybe they need to go west Texas Tech wins the annual playing of the Butt Bowl. Uh, Joey McGuire gets his first career win over Dave Aranda, his former employer. There you go. If, yeah, if you're watching, I mean, tell me that is not photoshopped. That 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 picture is not photoshopped. If you're watching on oh, YouTube, no. boy, like right in. What what's your first thought is there? Um, yeah, just the offensive linemen look like dads that trotted out in the middle of the night to investigate a loud noise or something like that. Like. <laughs> It's it's not good, man. Um, but yeah, Texas Tech wins wins the butt bowl 39-14. Um, Baylor's just they turned the ball over a number of times. They just couldn't get anything going. Uh the Red Raiders get a pivotal win as they try and march towards bowl eligibility. And then Kansas crushes UCF. 
Gus Malzahn just got extended too. Like, what are we doing at UCF extending our head coach in the middle of a a run where we don't have a Big 12 conference when we can't play any defense? It seems like really weird timing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough go of it so far for Gus Malzahn. Like, he lost his starting quarterback. Was Plumlee back in this game? I didn't even see. Yes, Plumlee was back. He played limited. He played, he went three for seven, 33 yards. And I don't think he recorded a carry. But he didn't start, right? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. I don't think he started. I'll, I'll check that. And I know that he, you know, like his best weapon is his leg. So if he's not recording a carry, he's not doing what he does best. But yeah. defensively, UCF has not been confused with a juggernaut all year. Today, guys, did y'all see how many rushing yards Kansas had? 399. Yeah. It just a fantastic performance on the ground for the Jays, and, and split it up pretty well too. Like it wasn't all just one guy dominating. Devin Neal, twelve carries, one hundred fifty-four. Daniel Hyshawn, nineteen carries, one thirty-four. Dylan McDuffie came in, thirteen carries, ninety-one. Like they they were spreading it around. They got some guys who can run that ball. Jason Bean him. attempted twelve passes <laughs> for ninety-one That's yards. Yeah. yeah, and still had a higher QBR than Deacon Hill did. Uh, yeah, Kansas, Kansas's offense, listen, they get it done in multiple ways. I just want Jalen Daniels to come back. Nothing against the, the lean bean machine, but I want Jalen Daniels to come back. I want to see what Kansas can actually do. They're five and one guys, Like Kansas is five and one. They play at Oklahoma state next weekend. Then they go, uh, they've got the bye week before a date against Oklahoma. Then you've got Iowa state, Texas tech, Kansas state, Cincinnati, you take away the Oklahoma schools right now, today, I'm willing to say Kansas goes 4-0 in that final stretch. So I'm wow. thinking I'm thinking there's a floor of nine wins. So you, think they, you think they win the Sunflower Showdown? Based off what I saw on Friday night against Kansas State, for sure. Because well, Kansas, Kansas's problem is, is, of course, going to be stopping a team with an electric offense. I don't know that Kansas State has that this season. Like, they got some pieces. DJ Giddens has been good, but consistently, Kansas State has not been the, the high-powered offense that we thought they would be. Well, and and dream with me for a second here because, you know, this I'm is dreaming. what we all like to see. There's Oklahoma at the top, and then there's two teams with one loss in conference. It's Texas and it's Kansas. And, look, I know that Texas holds the tiebreaker there, obviously, but – one slip up from Texas and Kansas taking care of their business puts them in the Big 12 championship game. And I, I'm not necessarily hey, I'll live in that world with you or Oklahoma, but I am rooting for Kansas in this case. I will root for Kansas before I root against anybody else. We got to get Kansas in that Big 12 championship game somehow. Got to make it happen. Kansas has got to be favored next week going to Stillwater, though, right? I would think so. So mm. then we're going to put that stat to the test. If they are, if they are, Trey's Trey's looking a little. I don't know that they'll be favored like by the Vegas spread. I would probably pick them straight up, but I don't know that they'll be favored. If it's in if it's in Lawrence, they're absolutely favored. But in Stillwater, I don't know. A weird line could come out. Sure, sure. Uh, be interested to see what uh, what that line opens at when they release it uh, tomorrow. Um, all right, let's go to the group of five to finish this off, and I need to find the final score of. Wyoming and Fresno State because my Fresno State pick once again backfires in my face. 24-19. 
Cowboys get it done. Ah, the so Cowboys close. are five and one. Wyoming is five and one. They knock off number 24, Fresno State. Mikey Keene held to just 218 yards in this one. And, and guys, I, I put in the notes, I put this on Twitter, the insert, the how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man meme? Because I just keep doubting Wyoming. This is the, what, third time I've picked against them outright, and I'm 0-3. And for some reason, I just refuse to embrace Craig Bowles and and the deep end of the pool. Um, Andrew Peasley was very good in this game. The, the Wyoming at altitude, that defense at home, it's just special this year. And, and Wyoming and Air Force are, well, I say clearly the two best teams in the Mountain West, they're playing like the two best teams in the Mountain West. And that's a that's a fun world. Yeah, and this also, you know, bigger picture across college football throws the New Year's Six race into disarray across the group of five yeah. because now that was our one last undefeated. No, that's not true. Liberty and um, James Madison are still both undefeated. But, but James um, Madison can't go to the bowl. James Madison can't go to the bowl. That's right. Uh, Liberty's still undefeated. I don't know how the playoff committee when it comes to ranking time will treat an undefeated CUSA team versus like a one loss to lane or something like that. But um, really fascinating. It's going to be a really interesting race for the new year six. Once again, this year, yeah, Wyoming, Wyoming has 157 points for 145 points against. They've got a plus 12. Uh, that's, that is unreal. Uh, a three game winning streak for Wyoming. As I mentioned, they're at the top of the mountain West behind only air force who was off this week um the the turnover trident rally trident whatever you want to call it it didn't make didn't make the trip down to the boot this week louisiana knocks off texas state 34 30 again if you watch the ledger segment you already knew that because we we got shut out once again this week um texas state has a bad habit of blowing leads they took command of this game early I was feeling good, much like I was last week against Southern Miss. And then here came the Raging Cajuns, a 34-30 win. And you know what? Louisiana guys might be back from the dead. Yeah, I, I, you know, my take on this one is I didn't know that uh, Texas State was quite ready as a program to win a game like this on the road. I thought Louisiana had been just a little bit more consistent. And yeah, credit Louisiana for getting it done. Big win at home, putting themselves in the driver's seat of the Sun Belt West. Uh, elsewhere, you've got Jacksonville State making their first uh, appearance up at the FBS level this season, moving into Conference USA. They're 5-1. and one. Boy, the Gamecocks under Rich Rodriguez continue to impress at every turn. They beat Middle Tennessee State 45-30. Again, not eligible for the conference championship, not eligible for a bowl game because of that NCAA rule. But the Gamecocks have been a load of fun to watch this season. Trey, you mentioned Liberty's 5-0. They beat Sam Houston State. Didn't exactly put the, the winless Bearcats away at home, but a 21-16 win there. Liberty's 5-0 in year one under Jamie Chadwell. How, how big is it for Liberty to have Jamie Chadwell at the helm, see their, <clears throat> their consistency, their rise once again, while Coastal Carolina has just shriveled? I, I think it's huge for Liberty and really sad for Coastal Carolina. I, I, I yeah, the, I mean Liberty. I think is a sleeping giant at the G five level. I think that they have a lot of resources. They could recruit really well, especially in an area of NIL. 
I, they could do really, really well for themselves, especially now that they're in a conference. So I'm excited to see how that program develops. Jamie Chadwell is one of my favorite coaches in all of college football. I think he's an amazing job, does an amazing job. So I'm really excited for him. Do we think that Liberty's NIL fund is just local members of the Baptist church passing the plate on Sunday mornings? Like, I think, you know, this is a niche Baptist reference, so I apologize to our uh, audience, but you know, the Oh, and he mutes himself right, right at the take. There's the Baptists are everywhere. There's special envelopes. That was an act of God. He didn't like that I was gonna have this take, but throughout the year, there are special envelopes for certain offerings that go to missions or whatever. So I'm sure that there's a flaming one, uh, hot off the presses, that is going straight to the Flames NIL Collective. Well, whatever they're doing, it's working. Uh, 5-0, and as I mentioned, to start the season. Uh, Western Kentucky wins in a, a heart stopper against Louisiana Tech, 35-28. Austin Reed continues to put up big numbers. Malachi Corley is having a great season for the tops. Sonny Cumbie, you know, listen, he's going to have to put in some work in Ruston, but I kind of like the way that, that that Louisiana Tech team is competing. It's a quarterback carousel. Hank Bachmeyer has been hurt. So they haven't had any consistency at that position. But I'll tell you what, I think Cumbie has a chance at making that Louisiana Tech team competitive. They push the tops to the absolute brink um, on Thursday night, I believe that game was. And then uh, let's let's give the Mac uh, a, a quick shout out. First of all, Buffalo just destroys Central Michigan. Buffalo is the worst team in the Mac. They have lost every game that they've played in every conceivable fashion. And then they come out and destroy the Chips, who were coming off of a big uh, rivalry win over Eastern Michigan the week before. The MAC is beautifully chaotic. But what I wanted to focus on was Ohio, despite losing Curtis Rourke against San Diego State in the opener, they've reeled off five straight wins. They're now five and one and are atop the MAC with Miami of Ohio and Toledo. Guys, midweek football is about to get really, really fun up in the Midwest. Well, and speaking of teams that have rattled off a bunch of wins, shout out Miami, Ohio, also sure. five and one, also two and zero in conference with Ohio. So, look outside of their, you know, not winning the Confusion Bowl with Miami of Florida, this has been a really good Redhawks team that's you know really starting to figure out some stuff, playing some good defense as well. Like, I'm I'm pretty impressed with what this Miami Ohio team is starting to put up. Uh, Ohio has only given up 71 points on defense this season. They are a defensive juggernaut in the group of five. If you're wondering when that game against Miami of Ohio is, it's coming up on Halloween weekend. Uh, Miami of Ohio. That's going to be fun. Miami of Ohio goes to Athens to take on the Bobcats on the road. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Maction, like when Maction – hits the temperature drops that's when it's like happy peak football season am i am i right oh yeah 100 trey your your mic is muted in case you want to get some some parting shots in here uh that's all i have uh as, as far as game recaps go kind of uh, put a bow on this and, and trey uh your mic's back connected put put a bow on week six like what do you think we learned what what are we looking forward to going into the second half of the regular season I mean, I think some contenders separated themselves this week, right? And we 
definitely know who the top two are in the Big 12. We definitely know that Alabama is still reigning supreme in the SEC West. And we know that Georgia is officially made their statement that they are not going anywhere, right? So I think we're starting to see the cream rise to the top. And, you know, out West, we've still got some questions to answer. I'm watching live as USC, oh, the flag just came in. But uh, USC almost just didn't convert a critical fourth down here as Arizona is still leading that game. But we're starting to see those top teams really separate themselves. And I think that's going to be, I think we're going to have a really fun playoff race this year. We've got a lot of really good teams. I'm excited for Oregon, Washington next week. I think that's going to be a really fun one out West really decide who's going to be the top team out of that side of the conference. And man, it's the temperatures are cooling off of the actions heating up. What can I say? It's going to be a really, really fun October, November. Garrett, when you step back and and if you were to reevaluate and just throw out the four teams that you expect to be in the playoff, parting shot here, who who are your four teams? Uh, Georgia, Michigan, um, probably Florida State at this point, and whoever wins Oregon, Washington. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna save my pick for that one for this uh, for this next preview. I wonder if if Alabama can run the table and if they can be the team out of the West, I wonder if there's a chance that Alabama can either be the two seed out of in, in the playoff by beating Georgia in the SEC championship game, or if there is a potential chance that they get excused as a two-loss team if they run the table until Atlanta. It'll be fascinating to see how that goes. Oklahoma, of course, has now taken the lead in the Big 12. I agree. Washington, Oregon, that's a fascinating matchup. We've got Arizona, USC. We won't know that result um, until a little bit later on in the evening. But, boy, USC is looking mortal. I've kind of removed them in my mind as a championship contender. Just too many too many inconsistencies that I'm not seeing from Oregon, that I'm not seeing from Washington. Um, but I, I agree. I think, uh, I think Georgia... Right now, I, I would reevaluate my Penn State pick. I would probably say uh, Michigan, Georgia. Let's go with Washington and then the Big 12 champion in uh, in my mind. But guys, that'll do it. Uh, another live show. Appreciate you guys jumping in in the chat, watching live over on YouTube. Again, we do this every single Saturday night after the primetime games have gone final. You can catch our preview shows on Thursday morning on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch our ledger segment on YouTube as well leading up to the games. Pay attention to train Garrett. It's not not mine. We're we're working through some processes right now over on my side. But uh, a lot of a lot of more fun content coming up. Second half of the season is on deck. We can't wait to get to it. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. How about that?